for the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the Blitz 1170. All right, welcome back. We are at River Spirit Casino Resort on this Thursday. Inside the scoreboard sports bar, my man USC Brian just showed up, and he is rocking the OG Mitchell and Ness 1990 Joe Montana throwback, Matt, and it brought a tear to my eye to look up and see 16 staring me right in the face. Do you want to buy now, it? <laughs> I, well, like the, I, knowing how much of a Niners fan that he is, like there's no amount of money that he would try to part ways with that, knowing the sentimental value that that jersey holds to him. But I just looked up for a moment. I'm like, boom, there's 16 right in my face. I'm like, <laughs> all right. And then I look, and it's USC Brian, who I haven't seen in a while, and it's great to see him out here at River Spirit Casino Resort, where we are, and Brian just did, giving you an opportunity to win a trip courtesy of our friends at Miller Lite, because, Matt, it's Miller time on the Blitz 1170, to see the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving against the Giants. We've got tickets. We've got a two-night stay for you at the Gaylord Texan and $500 cash on top of that, plus access to the DraftKings party. Uh, Today is the last day for you to come out here and get registered on site here inside the scoreboard sports bar. All right, let's hit up that Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline here on this Thursday. And welcome in Joseph Hoyt from the Dallas Morning News joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Joseph? How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I was enjoying your uh, Joe Montana a little anecdote there because I'm looking at a picture of the catch right now with Dwight Clark. um, (laughs) Okay. my apartment. Awesome. I'm a, I'm a San Francisco native, too. So I'm okay. Those, well, I, I, listen, I'm not a native, but I am a diehard. Uh, so, like, you just went up to the top of my list knowing that you have, like, a framed photo of the catch that's right there within your uh, line of vision right now. So it's, it's good to have a like-minded individual here on the program this afternoon. Um, where do we even start with SMU? I was reading kind of your the, – the prediction and trying to overcome history – uh, I think it's funny that one of the first things that you say out of this is, without a doubt, this is one of the most important games of SMU season. Uh, I say the same thing about the University of Tulsa being in the exact same boat. It's seemingly, Joseph, for both teams, it's teetering right now one way or the other, and this game might ultimately be the deciding factor for both of these teams. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, anytime, anytime you got to win three out of your last five and you know, you're walking into this, this week with a three and four record it's it shows that you know you've done enough probably to be contending in a couple games and you could be bowl eligible and this could be the uh the game that kind of either is the catalyst that boosts them or the anchor that kind of drops them down in regards to those bowl hopes so it's a huge game i i don't expect any team to pull punches this is i think this is going to be uh the most pivotal game for both teams as you mentioned where uh, is SMU at right now with Tanner Mordecai? I know that he didn't practice. Uh, I don't even know how Rhett is. I know Rhett a little bit. I don't know how Rhett is with injury information. But if he's like every other coach, you, you're not really finding out much. Uh, but what uh, what's the outlook right now for Tanner? Yeah, so Tanner, um, you know, with concussion protocol, there's a certain checklist that you got to hit, and each thing takes about one day. There's five items you got to hit, and as of as of Wednesday, Tanner, Tanner was in street clothes on Wednesday. And, um, you know, that means kind of the clock is ticking if they want to get him to play. They, you know, Rhett Lashley said it'll probably be either Friday or Saturday before they actually know. Um, but, you know, that kind of brings into question, even if he is ready to go, 
do you want to go with your starting quarterback on a, you know, no week of preparation against the Tulsa defense that's historically given you problems? I know Joe Gillespie isn't there anymore. Um, and, or do you want to go with, you know, the young guy who you've been really excited to see the former all American five-star recruit that, you know, your fans really want to get a taste of. And, you know, and so I, I think, I think it'll be interesting. I think weather maybe could potentially play a factor too. Um, you know, Preston's a little bit more mobile, a little bit more design run game. And so, I mean, if you're kind of worried about airing it out with Tanner in, in the rain and the wind that might be coming to Tulsa on Saturday, then maybe you just go with Preston after preparing for an entire week. How does the offense change with Preston compared to Tanner? I mean, from everything that I've seen, it's like similar styles on this, but what are the, the, the nuances that change with having a young guy come in like that? Yeah, kind of like the same language, but a little bit of a different, you know, dialect to it. Um, you know, it, they're still going to be very fast. They're still going to want to push the ball downfield. I think Tanner has a better arm than Preston, and he can push it further downfield. Um, but I think Preston also brings a little bit more design run game. I think, you know, Tanner showed that he's got the speed. You know, he ran a 60-yard touchdown against Navy. But Preston has a little bit more scrambling, a little bit more wiggle to him. You know, in high school, um, you know, Parish Pistol here in Dallas, there was a couple Johnny Manziel comps to him. You know, I mean, he was a five-star recruit for a re- reason. And he's shown that ability, maybe not on the same level as Johnny, of course, but he's shown that ability to kind of have enough wiggle and to kind of get around guys. And he had multiple carries last week where it was, you know, just one little hesitation move that kind of gave him five more yards. And in turn, that kind of opened up the run game, which they're going to try to do a little bit more with Kamar Wheaton, their former or their five-star former recruit who transferred from Alabama this year too. It seems, at least from a distance, uh, that they, they love the maturity of the kid. Would you would you echo that sentiment from everything that you've heard about him? Yeah, no, Preston, I mean, they, they call him a winner. And, I mean, it, when you're a four-year starter in high school and, you know, all you do is win state championship, that's pretty impressive. I mean, the guy kind of came in, and, and he's always acts like the starter, even though he hasn't been it. Um, you know, he's always rallying guys. He's, he's one of those dudes in practice that, you know, if he throws a touchdown, you know, to a guy, he'll, like, sprint over there and, and be the first one to celebrate with him. Even last week there was a – there was a you know a play or a penalty on Cincinnati, and right when Preston came to the sideline, he went to Rhett Lashley and says, "Hey, we're going to win this game," and just gave him a fist bump and walked away. And so you know it's one it's little things like that where he kind of has that charisma. Obviously, they didn't win, but he kind of carries himself that way. So I think that there's a you know a high level of maturity and kind of leadership that comes to Preston Stone, even from a backup moving into starter potentially perspective. So everything that I'm hearing, and, I, and again, we probably chuckled at this uh, up here when we heard that this was a legit open competition at quarterback heading in based off of what Tanner has done in the past. Uh, what, was, that, was there truth to that? What, did, he, did Rhett actually open up that competition, and was it as close as what some people said? Yeah, I think it was a little bit, you know, in hindsight specifically, it's a little bit two-part, right? I think when you're a new head coach, you want to say, hey, every job is up for grabs. We're, we're going to be built on competition, and that includes our starting quarterback, which, you know, I think that there is kind of merit to that trying to build that type of philosophy. But I also do think that Preston, you know, had done enough previously and, and it showed enough, especially through the recruiting process, to warrant in a competition. I mean, you got to remember, Rhett Lashley was the one that recruited him to SMU you know he's you know he's the one that sold him even though he wasn't here when he actually signed so it's one of those things where I think that there was a true competition I think Tanner clearly obviously won it but I I don't think it was you know all smoke and mirrors and just a display trick for culture I think that that was kind of part of it but I do think that Preston had enough ability to warrant 
at least getting a look. Well, I got to say, I mean, you know, to be kind of put in that situation with what has become the traditional power here in the conference before they say adios, to even have them in position to uh, to tie that game or who knows at some point uh, ultimately win that game. I mean, it was incredibly impressive just just watching here uh, with what he was able to accomplish. I mean, you you could tell that there's a little bit of, of moxie about the kid for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things I, 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 you know, this is a football coach cliche, but I kind of always, you know, believe in it, that you're never really as good or as bad as you thought you were, you know, and you kind of like, you know, in the moment, you're like, wow, Preston nearly let him back. And then I kind of rewatched the, you know, the video, and it's like, oh, you kind of forced that throw, and, you know, he kind of got lucky there, and obviously he had a tip pass for a touchdown. But I think at the end of the day, he came in with a winner's mentality and put them in position to potentially win that game, and I think that that's something that's going to carry him a long way. Well, the other part that goes into this, too, uh, is is that, yes, what he did to engineer in the last two drives to have the comeback against them, I mean, uh, all of that really starts by what they were able to do defensively. And at times, maybe not the prettiest thing in the world, but we do know this, that uh, the Mustangs held them to six field goal attempts, three punts and a turnover on downs, right, uh, in – in, in a half of that game. So the, uh, wh- where are they at in totality from a defensive perspective right now heading into Tulsa? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think it's been kind of one of the under-the-radar stories. When you think of SMU, you think offense, offense, offense. And obviously for the most part of the season, that was kind of the story, and the defense was a little bit faltering behind. But in Scott Simon's first year, there's definitely been a clear progression of them really figuring out who they are and who they want to be. Early on, you know, they didn't have a lot of guys that, quote-unquote, they could trust to run the defense and now as the weeks kind of progress and the systems become a little bit more ingrained they have more guys that they're rotating in heavily um and they've kind of actually you know find identified guys that can be true role players you know they they use kiki burns last week who's a former tight end six foot four who's really who's moved to defense and kind of getting his feet wet a little bit you know figuring in his, his sea legs a little um they used him at inside linebacker instead of edge rusher and he you know was kind of the guy that orchestrated a lot of stunts and brought a lot of pressure and opened up a lot of holes for other guys. And he only played, you know, about 11 snaps. So long story short, I think that they're, they have more depth than they've had all season long. And they're kind of using that depth appropriately with design roles that have kind of made the most out of their performance. Well, and, and with the offensive struggles, like the time of possession in that was almost like a 14-minute difference, right? I mean, the defense right, kind of helped hold everything together to give them the opportunity there at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what plagued them earlier in the season when they didn't have that depth because that's new. The good thing about an offense that goes fast is when it's working, it's incredible, right? It, it <laughs> yes. has the defense gates. But when it's not working and you go three and out after a team just went on an 11-play drive before that, your defense is obviously prone to getting tired. So I think one thing that I think the rotation on, you know, and adding more depth and I think finding specific things that guys do well and utilizing that has been a difference maker for them. And I, I expect I expect that to be a big factor against Tulsa, who's allowing the second most sacks on average per game this season. Uh, overall, I, I you go back and you watch like the, the Maryland game. Uh, you go up there and you really don't. Uh, you know, you don't play well, um, you don't win, you lose by a score. The TCU game kind of happens, second half of UCF. Um, you've, you, you know, at some point you've just got to find a way to beat them. It, it feels like at times when I watch them, and I don't know if this makes any sense, I watch them and feel like they're not far away. Other times I watch them, I'm like, 
okay, they, they're, they're further away than what I thought that they would be. Do you get the same sense when you watch them at times? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer that good teams can contend in a lot of games, but great teams find a way to win them. And I, I think right now they're, they're, good te- they're a good team that is, has not really figured out how to win close games down the stretch. I mean, if you look at their season, I mean, they've only had one loss that was a blowout. And even in that game <laughs> against Central Florida, they were up at halftime, and then the first half they dominated them. They just couldn't capitalize in the red zone and figure it out offensively down there. But, you know, take away that, you know, second half, I think that they've been a team that's really content and been close all year long. But, you know, close only counts in, you know, in horseshoe, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't actually count at the end. And they got to figure out ways to win close games, which they might have to do in Tulsa this weekend. Uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, I know he had a turf toe injury. Is that, is that correct? Uh, last week it looked yeah. like it just, you know, not not typical numbers by any means. Uh, how much has that impacted him over the last couple of weeks? Because that happened in a TCU game, I believe. Yeah, it happened in the TCU game. And if you kind of look before that, I mean, uh, he, he, was on, he was one of the best wide receivers in America. And, uh, you know, and, and not only from a yardage standpoint, but the way he was doing it, making contested double, you know, double – uh, guys in double coverage against him, making those tough catches. So it's been bothering him. But this, you know, in last week, he actually took a couple practices off. And he came in on Sunday of this week after that game and basically told the coaches, hey, I'm not missing any more practice because I don't, I don't, like, to, I don't like to do that. I thought I was out of rhythm. So he came back this week, practice. He also got new insoles that are kind of helping his turf toe. And he thinks that he feels about as good as he did prior, that, you know, as he did before the injury. So I think that that's something to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if – if he's targeted often again this game. Um, but, you know, any, you know, Joe Gillespie legacy defense, you know, that Tulsa has, I mean, the big thing is taking away best, you know, their best players and their best ability. And I think that would be with C-Rice. New insoles, huh? Dr. Scholl's playing a little uh, little role in the uh, contest coming up on Saturday. I like it. I a little, like yeah, a little, a little NIL deal probably on the way. You, know, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Speaking of that, because we – we keep a look around others, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole, like, conference realignment thing and then how teams like SMU are setting themselves up for the future. What is just overall state of the program, maybe not from a wins and loss perspective, but knowing how Sonny kind of built the program through the transfer portal and everything that's happened, we know about the NIL deals. What does the future look like right now of the SMU program and the firm footing that it seems to be on? Yeah, I, I think it's a program – you know, that believes that, you know, come next year, they're going to be the class of the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, obviously I think that there's, you know, there are going to be other competitors for that. I think UTSA is a, a program on the rise, for example. Um, I mean, look at Tulane, what they've been doing right now. They've got a good basketball program on the rise as well. But, um, you know, they think that they're on really solid ground when it comes to being in the hierarchy of the American Athletic Conference. Um, obviously they have aspirations to go even further than that and, and get a pack, you know, Power 5 bid. Um, but, you know, they feel good about where they're at. I think this season, though, I think it would be a, it would do a lot for the football program in particular if they could go to a bowl game and potentially win it, something they haven't done very often. So Yeah, we've talked about a lot in the past about bridging the gap, right, between having good seasons mm-hmm. and SMU's had those. They just haven't been able to capitalize on it at the end of the year. Um, but even in a year in which maybe not overall wins that you would want, at some point you've got to have a little postseason success to kick keep bumping up that momentum because on the field stuff still matters too as much as some say that it doesn't now yeah and i I think too i mean you're constantly auditioning for transfers right you're constantly saying hey this is what we do and what we can do and uh, i think you know if you come here we can do this and 
you know, I think that's one of the interesting things. And I think, you know, because after this season and, you know, with Tanner gone, it's like, okay, so what does SMU's quarterback room look like, you know? And I think, honestly, you know, if, if Tanner doesn't get a chance to play this week, even though I think the starting job's still his, um, that could give some optimism for, for the future. Preston Stone goes out and plays very well. Uh, Rhett is a uh, – how is Rhett to deal with, by the way? I mean, I knew Rhett when he was uh, – he was running a magazine uh, on the uh, – just to the <laughs> east of us in Arkansas, for crying out loud. He would come in, and we would have him as a guest on the phone back in the day a long time ago. How is Rhett to deal with from a head coaching perspective? Yeah, no, Rhett's, Rhett's been really good to deal with. Um, kind of funny that, you know, he nearly took a job in Tulsa a long time ago. Yes. And ultimately, and then and now he's, now he's kind of going back. Um, no, but he's been, he's been good to deal with. Um, you know, I think uh, this season has been a little bit challenging for, for Rhett to kind of balance, you know, being a, you know, being a first-time head coach with being that offensive kind of guru that he always has been. And, you know, I think they've been close and, and maybe frustratingly so at times. But I think it would do a lot for Red and, and this coaching staff if they could kind of go on a run here at the end of the season and kind of get some optimism going into the offseason. Well, there's one thing that I know that we can count on, Joseph, and that is that uh, any time that these two teams play, uh, you might as well just uh, throw everything out the window because you just never know. There's too much historic nature of, of close games and wild comebacks uh, that could happen. So uh, flip a coin, in my opinion, coming up on uh, Saturday, and we'll uh, we'll see ultimately where it lands. Hey, man, I appreciate the time today. Uh, great to catch up with you, and thank you for the update here in Tulsa. Yeah, of course. Take care. That's Joseph Hoyt joining us here from the Dallas Morning News here on the Blitz 1170. That game, Matt, on Saturday is a 2.30 start, 1.30 with the pregame on our sister station, Big Country. 99.5. Uh, we will take a timeout. We're live from the Scoreboard Sports Bar here at River Spirit Casino Resort with our friends from Miller Lite. We'll tell you more about that. Also, some of the great shows they've got coming up here at River Spirit Casino Resort inside the Cove on the opposite side of this timeout here on the Blitz 1170.